0: I have two apple trees that we planted, I guess, about two years ago now. And one of them is a Granny Smith apple tree. The other is a Pink Lady apple tree, which my daughter has named both of them because all of our trees outside, all the things we plant, end up with some sort of name. And so the Granny Smith tree is the prince, and the Pink Lady tree is the princess. Now, cards on the table I'm a little more excited about the prince than the princess because, and this is an objective fact, Granny Smith apples are the high king of the apple. They are clearly, and obviously, thank you, sir, thank you, somebody knows exactly. My wife would disagree with me. Perhaps you do as well. But if you do disagree with me, you, much like my wife, are wrong. Because the Granny Smith is, even though it's not given this name, the most delicious of all the apples. And so in fairness, I may have given some preferential treatment in the placement of the Granny Smith apple tree over the poor princess. Because I found out they need to be about 30 feet apart. I was learning all kinds of things about planting things in the yard. And so the Granny Smith tree, the prince, is in kind of the prime real estate of our yard, right in front of the house, right where I wanted it to be. And then I had to put the princess somewhere down around the house in a less ideal place. It gets less sun. There's some more tree coverage there. There's some other just stuff around it. And so it doesn't have quite the optimum placement of the Granny Smith apple tree. And this summer, I noticed a huge leap in growth with the Granny Smith tree. That from this time last year until now, the Granny Smith apple tree has grown substantially, And I thought, man, that's pretty cool. And when I pulled in, I couldn't really see the other tree. So I walked around the house to see how the other tree was doing. And the princess hadn't had quite the same amount of growth. She didn't really grow over the course of the year to the same scale. But I thought, well, maybe it's just a smaller tree. It was a little smaller when we bought it. So maybe it's a little younger. Maybe it just needs a little more time. But a couple weeks ago, I went back out to check on both of the trees. The Granny Smith apple tree looks great. It's full. It's healthy. It's probably going to start bearing some fruit maybe next year. I'm really excited about that because, again, best apple out of all the apples, and I'm going to have them in my yard. And so I walked around the house to check on the other tree, and it didn't look so good. Leaves were starting to die and fall off early, and it just looked kind of unhealthy. And so I'm going to have to do some kind of intervention now. I'm probably going to have to move the tree. I'm going to have to give some extra care and try to revitalize this tree. I'm not sure if I'm even going to be able to. But the reality is I should have noticed this a few months ago. When I came out and when I recognized that one tree had grown substantially and the other was not growing at the same rate, I should have noticed that something was wrong because growth is a sign of health and vitality. And the same thing is true in the life of a church. Churches should be growing, of course, spiritually. We should be growing in our depth and our knowledge of who God is. We should be growing deeper in our relationships with one another. But we should also be growing with people coming to know Jesus Christ and becoming part of the church body. And so that's where we're going to sit for a few weeks talking about the importance of growth in the life of the church and what that looks like, particularly in our church here at Redeeming Grace Community Church. How we continue, yes, to go deeper in our understanding of who God is and deeper in our knowledge of the good things about the gospel, deeper in our relationships with one another, but we're going to focus particularly on growing in number and what it looks like to go out and, and invite people to church. What it looks like to share the gospel with others and to see people being saved by the gospel, being baptized and then brought into our church family because it's such a crucial and important part of church life as we continue to grow and meet new people and see new people come and be a part of our family and love people and help them grow in their walk with Christ. And then hopefully one day, as has always been the vision and the goal and the mission of our church to see our little church plant new churches and start new churches all over the place and to see through our work the kingdom of God continue to grow. And so we're going to pause from the book of Luke for just a few weeks, and we'll pick it up in in just about four weeks. But we're going to just spend some time looking at different stories of growth and sharing and see how God calls us to be a church that is both deep and wide. And so today we're going to begin this by looking at a passage of Scripture that should be very familiar if you've been at our church for any period of time. And it comes from Acts chapter 2. And we're going to focus specifically on verses 42 and 47, but I'd like to read the entire passage from verse 42 through verse 47. And this is the Word of God. It says, And they, these early Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. May God add his blessing and his favor to the reading of his word. Thanks be to God for his word. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for this picture of the very first church. As these people were being radically changed by the good news of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as they were sitting under the apostles teaching, you called them together to be a family, to be a community. And God, you were adding to their number daily people who were being saved. And so God, as we look at this incredible example of what it looks like to be the church. Help us to not simply admire what they've done. But God, look at this as the template on how you call us to exist as the church, to not only grow deeper in our relationships with one another, to not only grow deeper in our relationship and our knowledge of who you are, but God, to grow wide. Going out into our community, going out into the places in which you've placed us, and inviting people to come be a part of what you're doing here at Redeeming Grace Community Church. And so help us to have a vision and a passion for growth both deep and wide. And we ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, as we're about to look at where we're going in the life of our church, I think it's important to first look at who we are. And from the very beginning, this particular passage of Scripture has been the driving force of our church. If you've been here at Redeeming Grace for any period of time, there's a chance that you've heard this passage taught before. This is certainly a passage of Scripture that's been referenced or taught more than probably any other in the life of our church. Because we do see the foundations of the Christian church here. These are the very first people who were hearing the apostles teach about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus who were being saved by the gospel and echoing the people who, after Peter's sermon in chapter 2, said, now that we've heard this incredible message, what do we do next? And what they were supposed to do next was to come together and to make up this body of Christ, to make up this church, and to start doing life together as followers of Jesus with one faith and one mission. We see here in this passage the church in its purest form, with all the other things stripped away, and we find that what they are is a community living together, loving and worshiping God, and fulfilling the two greatest commandments. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching about the good news of the gospel. They were loving and serving God, and then they were loving one another and loving their neighbors as themselves. And so from the very beginning, in one of the very first meetings we had when we were talking about planting this church so many years ago now, this is the passage that we used. And with every passing season of our life, we've come back to this passage to make sure that we are still in line with the mission of the church that Jesus set up and Jesus has established. And I believe that we've been really faithful with that. Our church has an incredible history of devotion to the gospel and to prayer. We are passionate about knowing who God is and knowing the good news about Jesus Christ and praying for one another and with one another. I think we're very good at loving one another. I hope that when you come in here week after week and we go into community groups and Wednesday nights and we have functions together, that you feel loved and that you feel welcomed and that you feel accepted and that this really is a place that has a familial feeling to it, that we really are the family of God, loving and caring for one another. And I know without a doubt that we have been a church that has faithfully loved and served the community around us and doing what Jesus has called us to do to go into care for people in need. And even though we've been small, God has given us incredible opportunities to reach out to those who not only need to hear the gospel, but who have physical and emotional and spiritual needs. And God has given us incredible opportunities to go and share those. And I thank God that you and I have all, we've been a part of this church to go out and to be faithful in answering that call wherever God has led us. And so we have the responsibility to continue to do that still more that that's not a foundational point, that that's a driving force of everything that we are, that we should constantly go deeper in our understanding of Christ and our understanding of the gospel in our relationships with God, both individual and corporately as a church. We should never become satisfied thinking, okay, well, I, I know enough answers or I've memorized enough Bible verses or I think I know enough about who God is. We should always have this drive and this desire to know him more and to love him more. And as we do that, I assure you that it will continue to burn that fire inside of us to love one another more. Because those two great commandments, as we've talked about before, are so deeply tied into one another that the more we know God and the more that we love God, the more that we are going to love the people that God has created and the people that God has put into our lives. And the more that we do that... The more that we love one another, the more that we care for one another, the more that we are going to have a driving passion to love and to serve those around us and to care for those in need and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so we've built this incredible foundation in both our doctrine, our understanding of God and in our relationships. But we also need to learn to be wide. We need to learn to take that message beyond and to use our depth to now spread out wide. And J.D. Greer talks about the importance of a church being both focused on depth and width. That it's important to go deep, yes, in our knowledge of God and in our relationships. But we should constantly be seeking to go out and to find new people to love, to find new people to invite, to become part of what we're doing, to reach out with great width and then allow that depth to continue. And there are so many people in our community, even though we live in a relatively small place, in a relatively small community, there are so many people inside of this city and this county who need to hear the gospel and who need to be a part of a church family to experience that grace and mercy of God and that love of Jesus through his people. And we can't simply sit by and hope that they find us. It's our mission and our responsibility to go to them, to tell people about Jesus and also invite them to church, invite them to be a part of what we're doing. It's time for us in the life of our church and who we are to begin to focus on growing and growing exponentially. Because the reality is we have seats in this building that are waiting to be filled. We've got our little trough outside that's waiting to be filled week after week to see people saved and to see people baptized. It'd be amazing if we didn't have to worry about having baptism Sundays because every Sunday was baptism Sunday because we're seeing people come to trust in Jesus Christ. We have community groups ready to be filled with more people. We have new community groups ready to be launched. We have empty space inside of this building that we can repurpose and utilize to have more people here worshiping with us Sundays and Wednesdays. And God willing, there are churches to be planted out of the work that we're doing. But all these things can, be, can feel big and they can feel overwhelming. But these things aren't big and they aren't overwhelming to God. And he's called us together as a church to make these things happen. And as we are a healthy church that's deeply seeking after God, it's very important and very vital that we go out and we do what we're called to do by sharing our faith with others and inviting them to come and be a part of what God is doing. And so how do we get there? What are the steps that we need to take in order to see that kind of growth happen in the life of our church? The first thing, and it may seem like the most obvious thing, and it should be the most obvious thing, but is that we should pray. Because here in Acts chapter 2, we see very clearly that the people weren't just praying, but Luke tells us in the book of Acts that they were dedicated to the apostles' teaching and they were dedicated to prayer. That it was something that was a driving force and a passion in their lives, not something that was just a when they think about it, but something that was a daily, regimented, regular part of who they were. And then in verse 47, we see the result of that. Because they were praying and they were working and they were praising God. And then it says, Then the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The people prayed, the people worked. And then God gave the increase. And that's what's so amazing about this picture here is that, again, this can seem very big. And maybe you're a lot like me, and this is not something that you're particularly gifted at. I've told you before, I will tell you again, that small talk, conversations, invitations, all that stuff, that's not me. That's not something I'm naturally good at. I say weird things, I do weird things, I do weird things with my hand. It's a whole thing that happens when I try to have a normal conversation with people that I don't know. And so trust me, I get it. And so when we talk about this idea of growth and inviting people to church and sharing our faith with other people, it can feel incredibly overwhelming. But Luke reminds us here that it's not about our gifts and our skills, but it's about our prayers and our faithfulness. And then God is going to use those things to do something that only God can do. And so we're working towards something that only God can provide. And so because of that, we need to pray consistently and constantly. We need to be a people dedicated to prayer. We talked about that last week about the importance of being able to come to God. Lydia talked about that, and so did Amy during our worship time, about how we have this unbelievable ability to come into the presence of God and ask him for what we need. And so we need to be a people that takes advantage of that, not simply for the needs and the the desires of our lives, but the needs and the desires of our church. And so we need to be consistently and constantly praying that God would do these incredible things in our church. To be daily dedicated to praying for the church all over the world, but also specifically for our church, for Redeeming Grace Community Church. And we need to pray generally. It's okay sometimes to just to leave these open-ended things to God and say, God, just bless our church and guide our church. Give us the vision and the direction in which we should go. Pray for our ministries and pray for the people that are serving in all these aspects of what we're doing. We should be praying together and separately. We should be praying individually in our lives daily, but also it's incredibly important to pray together. And so we have the time that we call the prayers of the people every Sunday morning. That doesn't have to be alone. If you'd like to pray with the person beside you or get together with two or three people and pray, you can do that. We have that space on Wednesday night as well. We have our community groups with Adam's on Sunday mornings, with Amy's on Tuesday nights and Drew and Kathleen's on Thursday nights. You can go and join one of those community groups where prayer is such a vital part of what we do there and our community groups can pray for our church. We have an incredible amount of ways to get together with people. We can meet together with one another and pray together for our church. But then we can also pray specifically. And since I'm just throwing out the things that I'm bad at, this is another thing that I'm bad at. I'm not very good about praying specifically. And I don't know if it's just me being overly polite in my relationship with God or if it's a lack of faith. But sometimes it's hard for me to come to God and ask for very specific things. I would much rather say, God, just care for our church and your will be done and we'll just trust you in the process. But I'm learning the importance of praying specifically. And so I'll tell you some things that I'm praying specifically for in the life of our church that deal specifically with this. There's a lot of things that I'm praying specifically for. When we talk about growth the numerical growth, about people coming and trusting in Christ and coming and being a part of our church family, I've been praying that we would have 100 people regularly worshiping with us on Sunday mornings by December. That we would get to a point where we're seeing 5 to 10 new faces every single week of people coming in that have never been here before, that are coming into redeeming grace for the first time ever. And that God would work in a way to where we're having multiple baptisms, not every so often, but we're having multiple baptisms every week as we see people saved by the grace and mercy of God. And as we get to see this incredible picture of baptism. And we're going to talk about this in a little more detail in a minute, but think about some specific things that you want to pray for, for our church that God would do in the life of our church and the way that he's going to see us grow over this next season. And so it starts with prayer. But we also need to learn to be in awe. And this is something that comes in verse 43 of Acts chapter 2. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They're devoted to the breaking of bread and prayers. And then Luke says that awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. See, these early Christians, they were seeing some amazing things happening in their life. They were on the ground floor of this incredible thing that God was doing, and they were totally blown away. They were seeing these things happen, and they were in awe of what God was doing. And it can be easy to look at this and romanticize it a little bit, because this is the first group of Christians meeting together, and so, of course, they're seeing awesome and exciting things. And maybe this is some kind of special thing that's happening for them. But the reality is the only thing special about them is something that's special about us as well. Because for anybody who's been called by the name of Jesus, for anybody who trusts in Christ, what makes us special and what gives us the ability to do these things is not because they were the closest to Jesus in proximity on the timeline, but that Jesus was working in and through them by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have that promise that in our church, the same thing is true. And so we have to be careful about glamorizing and romanticizing great movements in the life of the church and believing those things are beyond our reach. Because the reality is, every time God has moved, whether it's in individual churches or in movements across countries and nations, it's always been because a few people decided to be faithful in prayer and faithful in serving God, and then God did the rest of the work. All that happened here in Acts chapter 2 was faithful people praying and working and then watching to see what God was going to do. And then God did something unexplainable. And so we should be praying for God to do big things in the life of our church. When I'm praying that we'd have 100 people regularly on our service, that means that we're going to be doubled in just a few months. And that's a big, kind of scary, overwhelming thing to think about having to do. But we're praying for big things. But the reality is that we have a bigger God. And so we should be praying for awesome things, not only in our lives individually, but especially for the life of our church. And then we should be in awe when God does those things. But that requires that we learn to be aware And sometimes it can be easy to be so goal-driven that we don't pay attention to the process and see all the things that God does to get us to our ultimate destination. And so pay attention to the little things that God does in the life of our church. And when we see something wonderful, when we see people baptized, when we see people come and be a part of what we're doing, when something strikes us as amazing and awesome, we should take that time to worship and to be in awe of God because all the things that happen in the life of our church happen not because of what we do, but because of who God is. And so we should be in awe of the work that God does as he does it. And then finally, we just need to do the work. You see, this, this church in Acts chapter 2, they weren't sitting by waiting, but they were sharing. They were sharing with one another. They were taking care of one another's needs. They were growing in their relationship with one another. But it also says here that they were in good standing with all around them. They were having favor with all people. They were going out and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ all around and bringing new people in. And so because of that, God was adding to their numbers. And I know that we can do this because when good things happen, we tell people. When something amazing happens in your life, it's easy to share that news with somebody else. If you make a good grade or if you get a a job that you've been hoping for or good grief, I could probably cancel every bit of TV that I have and still know exactly how the Georgia Bulldogs are doing. And I can know exactly how the Braves are doing. And I hate baseball I don't want to know what the Braves are doing. I wouldn't be sad if the Braves disappeared off the earth because I find baseball tragically boring. And so I don't care what's happening with the Braves. That's just getting in the way of me knowing more about what's going on in football, knowing what's more about basketball. That is just a transition point. When I listen to ESPN radio, they talk about baseball and it's basically just a commercial. Let's just get past it and get to the things that matter. But I know how the Braves are doing because all you people talk about it like I care. Drew Pegram keeps me involved in soccer. I hate soccer so much worse than I hate baseball, but I know all about the Atlanta United, and I don't want to, but Drew's real happy because they do good sometimes, and I have to hear about it. So when good things happen, we talk about it. We share about it. When things that happen that are good and that matter to us, we want people to know. When we find good places, we spread the word about them. When people talk to me about food, I will gladly tell them. When you're talking about Loganville in this area, we don't have a lot of stellar food establishments, but I will tell you all day about Rising Donuts because they are delicious. I will talk ad nauseum about Cup and Saucer because I love that place. And La Bamba is legitimately, people look at me strange when I say this, is legitimately my favorite Mexican restaurant I have ever eaten at in the course of my life. I love it. And I talk about it all the time. And if you, just getting outside of the Loganville Circle, if you've been around me for any period of time, and it doesn't have to be sushi coming up, if if fish comes up or if the sea comes up, I will tell you about Utagi in Athens because it is delicious. And it's my favorite sushi place I've ever been to. And so when I go to these places, I want to tell you about it because I think they're awesome and I love them. But we've got something a lot better than soccer and sushi to talk about. We have been saved. If you've trusted in Christ, you have been saved by the grace and mercy of God that the old is passed and the new has come. We have a Savior who loves us, a God who cares so much about us that even though we were sinners, He was willing to give His one and only Son to die on the cross, to take our punishment on Himself so that we could not only have forgiveness of our sins, but the promise of an everlasting life with our God. And perhaps I'm biased, but I also think we have a really awesome church filled with really awesome people who love God and who love one another. So we have a lot to share. We just have to do it in the same way that we talk about our favorite teams or the good things that happen or the blessings that take place in our lives or our favorite restaurants or our favorite places, the things that we go and the things that we do, in the same way but more, we should be talking about our good God who loves us and the salvation that he gave us and the church that helps us to know him more and more. But we've got to go and do it. And I know that can be hard and I know that can be awkward because again, it is hard and it is awkward for me. And so we're here to help. And so Adam's going to be handing out some envelopes. And inside these envelopes, we've made a little packet to help this be a little bit easier. Adam, can I steal one of those from you? Thank you. So again, I, it just helps me sometimes to be organized, especially when I have to do things that I don't want to do or that I'm not particularly good at. And so maybe you're like me. And so we wanted to give some resources to help us go out and to share our faith and to share our church with people who need the gospel and who need to be here. And so if you look in your envelope, there's three cards. I want to talk about those first. I'm just going to go through this really quickly. I know this isn't super exciting, but I think this is really helpful in what we're going to be doing. One of those cards says 30, 60, 90. And this is something that Amy shared with me that she was a part of in another church that she really loved and really helped her kind of establish some new relationships. And so as we go through this series, we're going to be talking about sharing our faith and inviting people to church both deep and wide, in the relationships that have great depth and in relationships that are brand new. And so on this page that says 3060-90, this is about establishing a new relationship, And so this is a system of prayer and action that lasts about three months that helps us go from meeting somebody for the first time to having a deep relationship with that person and along the way sharing the gospel with them and inviting them to church. And so I won't read through it. You can read through that on your own, but this is just an incredibly structured way to be intentional about meeting new people because, again, I am comfortable with my people group and the people that are in my life. And so sometimes I can think, why do I need a new friend? I got plenty of friends, like two, I think, is how many I have. But it's fine. I'm just kidding. You're all my friends. I love you all. But why do I need more? I got this amazing church family, my friends. But the reality is that we should be seeking to have new relationships and reach new depth in those. And so this is just a, a system of prayer and encouragement to help us get to that point in new lives, in the lives of others. There's a card that says deep. And this is an important one here, I think. Because I want on these cards for all of us, and there's 10 lines there, to write down the names of 10 people in our lives. 10 people that we have ongoing relationships with who need to hear the gospel and who need to be a part of a church family. And so I'd like you to write their names on this list and, most importantly, to pray for the names on this list. But also to invite the people that these names represent and to be focused, to regularly invite these people to church. And there's a little box on the side. And so when one of your friends or people in your family or coworkers or somebody that's on this list, when they do visit the church, that's one of those things where you can check it off and thank God for what he's done. Look at that as an answered prayer, but continue to pray for that person on this list. And so again, this, is, this has to be an act of faithfulness. We all have to be participating in this. And so write those names down and be faithful to go out and to invite that person regularly until you see them come to church. And as you do that, pray for them regularly and faithfully. There's another card that says pray. And on this, I've included some of the things that that I'm praying for specifically for our church, and so I'd like you to join along with me in praying for those things. And so like we talked about, that we'd have 100 people regularly attending worship on Sundays by December, that we'd have 5 to 10 new visitors each day, that we would see new people baptized. I went on there about having 40 people regularly at our Wednesday nights. If you haven't been to one of our new Wednesday night services, please come out. It's at 6 o'clock. It's just an hour even every week, and so we have a time where we sing, where we, pray, where we hear God's word taught, just like we do on Sundays. But we also have a very specific time of just being together and hanging out and eating together and just enjoying our time together. And so if you haven't come on a Wednesday before, please come out and visit us on a Wednesday night. And then also that we would see two new community groups started by the fall of 2019. Community groups are incredible ways to to get involved in life of the church and to build deeper relationships. And also, sometimes they're an easy way to invite people to come and to be a part of what we're doing. And so community groups are a big part of the lifeline and the lifeblood of our church. But then there's also five empty spaces. And I want you to think about and pray through some specific things that you want to see God do in the life of our church and some things that you are passionate about that God would do for us as Redeeming Grace Community Church and do through us. And so I'd like you to write those things down and spend time, again, regularly, faithfully praying for those. Put these cards in a place where you'll see them, in a place where you'll see them often, whether that's in your Bible or taped to your mirror, somewhere that you're going to see them, and it's going to remind you to be in constant and faithful prayer. And then you've also got included in this packet five little invitation cards. And this is the part that makes me queasy in my tummy. Because as I said, I don't like introductory conversations I like to keep those things light and easy when I go through a drive through when I go through and some, see somebody at a cash register when I meet somebody for the first time if I'm sitting by someone while I'm waiting on Josie to do gymnastics I like to keep it to a simple head nod right Or right, one of these how you doing good I'll start saying not bad because I sometimes question whether good is grammatically correct, and I can't ever remember if it's acceptable to say good, but I don't want to say well, because I don't want people to think I'm pretentious. And so I just say not bad, which kind of seems a little whiny. And so I really can't figure out what to say. This is what happens in my head when I have small talk with people. So you understand now, I'm really bad at this. And so these cards are not for your friends and family. They're not for the people that you know. You can use your mouth for that. That's easy. You can invite your friends and family to church, whether it's through social media, pick up the phone, text somebody, call somebody, meet somebody, invite them in person. These are here to help you invite somebody that maybe you don't know. And it might be hard just to strike up a conversation, but you can hand a card and a simple invitation. And so when you go through the line at the grocery store, when you are sitting at a table and you have a waiter or waitress, whenever you meet somebody for the first time, you can keep these in your pocket and then just simply hand them one of these cards and say, hey, I go to Redeeming Grace Community Church in Loganville. I think it's pretty awesome. If you don't have a church home, I'd love for you to visit with me. And just hand them the card. And then that can be all. And so we have five of these. There's plenty more. We have so many of these. So if you run out, if you burn through these, don't worry. We have plenty. But I want you to not only be conscious and aware to do this and to take that step of faith, even if it makes you uncomfortable. Because again, it makes me uncomfortable too. And if I got to do it, you got to do it with me. And so we're all going to do this together. And maybe we'll all be a little awkward together because we do have a lot of introverted people here and it's fine. Whatever. We'll get through it. We can start a community group where we just are sad and uncomfortable and, and weird about it. And we can just talk through it and it'll be fine. We'll all support each other, but we're going to do it. And then when you do it, when you hand one of these cards out and when you invite somebody to church, I want you to remember, maybe you don't remember their name, but if you have something to write it down, write down their name, write down a description, write down something about it, or just remember and pray for that person, whether you know them by name or not. Whether you're praying for John or whether you're praying for that person that I ran into at the store the other day that I handed a card and said a weird thing to them. Whatever the case is, pray that whether it's here or somewhere else, that God would use that first introduction, that God would use that step of faithfulness to bring them into a church home and to bring them into a relationship with him. And so we're going to continue talking about how we grow both deep and why, but this is the starting ground for it. We have the commission for it. Jesus in Acts chapter 1 calls us, calls the followers of Christ, calls the church to be his witnesses and to go out and to be fruitful and multiply, to go bring more people into the kingdom of God. And he's given us the vehicle through which we do that in the church. And so maybe it can be hard or a little difficult to sometimes get into long conversations with somebody about faith, but it's easy to invite them to church. And so we have these incredible opportunities to do it, and we have a commandment to do it. And so it's our job to model the work of Acts chapter 2, to model those early Christians, and yes, to continue be devoted to God's word, to be devoted to the gospel, to continue in prayer, to care for one another and love for one another, but also to be faithful and not being satisfied with where we are or who we are, but to seek out other people who need to come and to be a part of what we're doing and to experience the love and mercy of God through the church, through this incredible body that God has called together to do his work and to continue sharing the gospel both outside of this building and inside. And so we're going to be a church who's both deep and wide. But the only way to really do that is if all of us decide that we are going to do the work that we're called to do. It can't just be the role of the staff. It can't just be the role of the elders. It can't just be the role of the community group leaders or certain people in the church. This is something that all of us have to do together. And so let's be devoted to prayer. Let's be ready to stand in awe of what God is going to do over this next season in the life of our church as we work. And then let's go out and do the work of sharing the gospel with those in our lives and of inviting people to come and being part of what God is doing here in our awesome little church that God has called together for a purpose and for a reason. Let's pray.